Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. If you're listening to us on iTunes or the Podbean app, which is the main two ways that uh, seems like people are listening to us these days, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Um, Leave us some feedback, comments, whatever. It, It means the whole world to me. When you guys do that, I really appreciate it. Um, if you're following along with us, or if you're not following along with us on uh, social media, check out BTBN, um, Instagram, Facebook. There's also a podcast group, BTBN Podcast. That's kind of where we uh, put out episodes. I'm gonna, man, I've got so much stuff on my mind. I just need like a solid month off of work so that way I can make them all come to fruition. But uh, yeah, join that podcast group because that's where I, uh, I'm trying to bounce around ideas. We put out new episodes, uh, giveaways, and stuff like that. I picked the freaking duck call giveaway, man. Uh, finally. Only about two weeks late. I think I said on the 15th and today's like the 23rd or 24th. Um, I'm going to give it away at the end of the episode. So yeah, we'll get her shipped out tomorrow. I'll notify the winner um, after this thing goes up or tomorrow. So that way, somebody's getting a brand new duck call tonight. Sorry it's taking me so long, but I'm trying to bring you guys podcasts at the same time. So it's like, meh, you know, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. Um, yeah, anyway, so follow us on social media, jump on that podcast group, share, like, do all the stuff that you guys do. This thing is growing like crazy. This has been the most stacked week I have so far, and I have like 10 more on the schedule for the next two weeks. So I'm going to record it and probably like hold off, you know, four or five days to try to space them out a little bit. Um, But just lots of really great content coming out. I've been uh, having a lot of fun with it, man. I hope you guys are really enjoying it. Tonight, I got another call maker. He's been doing it for, I don't know, like five, six months. He uh, he was a customer of mine at one point, and then I saw he started making his own calls, and uh, they you know had a really good sound to him, a really good look to him, you know through social media that I saw, and then he entered that uh, contest that Mingo had, and I think he placed like fifth or sixth. I I'll talk to him about it on the podcast, but he did really well for somebody who's only been turning calls for six months. Man, he beat out a lot of guys, so uh, yeah. He's uh, taken off. He's going to be another really good one. So, without further ado, Mr. Nathan Talley. All right. What is going on, man? Not a lot. Just busy, man. Busy, busy, busy. Trying to actually just came back out in the shop trying to get a little bit of stuff done. But excited to be on talking to you, though. Dude, I appreciate you giving me some time tonight. I know uh, you're, it's kind of your golden time to get some calls done with the family being on vacation down at the lake and you're kind of hanging out in the shop at, at night. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's all good though, man. Good good talking to you. I appreciate it, man. Some of those best times really are when you just have the peace and quiet to just sit back and do some work. And it's insane to think like, you know, I'm out here sweating and doing different stuff in the shop and I'm working, but it's like, some of the most peaceful therapeutic time I have. Absolutely, you know, and obviously, you know, there's there's a little bit of pressure, you know, with, with 
you know, trying to get get some calls out, you know, trying to make some stuff for, for folks, you know. But at the same time, like, it's still a therapeutic outlet, you know. It's still, it's still a way to, you know, be creative and do something, get out of your head, get out of everything else that you've, you know, that you're dealing with and just, you know, do something, right? I agree, man. I put more time doing these these podcasts and calls more time effort attention passion into this stuff than i do at my normal nine to five job or i guess four thirty in the morning to like four in the afternoon job and uh but i love every single second of it and absolutely it's crazy man my schedule i was i don't know if we were talking about it before we rolled but it's like you know, I wake up at 4.30. I'm usually home by 5. We go to the gym from like 5.30 to 6.30. Come home, freaking shower, get the kids fed, get them dinner, try to hang out with them for a little bit. And then it's usually like podcasts until 10.30 and repeat the cycle all over again. It's it's extremely scheduled out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's what I was, I was telling, actually, I was telling a buddy that, uh, that came over uh, today to get a call from me. Met, met up with him after work and came over to my house and got him a call. And uh, he goes, "Man, you know, these look great and everything. You know, it looks good. You know, seeing everything that you're doing." And I was like, "Yeah, man." I was like, "You know, it, it takes some time. Like, you know, I, I think people don't quite realize like how much time it actually takes putting into you know these calls and, and everything. But at the same time, it's real rewarding. You know." It, you know, obviously you, you can sell them and everything, but it's rewarding just in the fact of, of, of having that outlet and, you know, being able to create something, right? <laughs> right, exactly, man. I, uh, I've i said it on other podcasts. Um, you know, I tell the guys at work that I work my normal job with that, you know, like I'll bring it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a workaholic. And they've, you know, told me countless times. They're like, dude, you, uh, you're the first one to leave every single day. Like, you don't give any extra time here whatsoever. And I'm like, I go home and work an extra four or five hours a night for myself. You know? Right. <laughs> I'm a workaholic. My passion is just not here. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, you, uh, you freaking jumped into this call thing, what, like six months ago? Um... It's actually like uh, around four months. Uh, I think I actually turned my first uh, full call. I want to say is uh, first or second week of March, I think. Um, but yeah, man. I, once I once I I got started, man. I started rolling with it. You know, I'm I'm the kind of person that once I decide I'm going to do something, I don't, I don't, I don't really. You know, half assed I jump into it with both feet. So <laughs> you're another one of us addicts. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, dude, you hit the freaking ground running, man. It. Uh, I saw that you did really good in that uh, Domingo, Sean Lynn, Rusty Heron, whoever the hell. I don't know what the name of the con. Oh, the Call Nuts Classic. Yeah, the um, Call Nuts Classic. Yeah. Dude, you did freaking amazing at that. I was like, holy shit, dude. My boy Nathan's on there. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like I, I, I don't know. Like I, I obviously I, I thought that you know the call sounded all right. You know I wasn't expecting to do that well. You know especially considering the 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 talent. You know that 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 was in in it. You know it, you got seventy eight call makers. You know some of the best known call makers out there, right? You know that that 
have been doing this for a long time and and all of them all of them sounded great like i, I i've told several people that out of those 78 calls i'm pretty sure you could call in ducks with every single one of them oh so, yeah like it was just crazy to, to, to hear how many you know good call makers are out there right i mean it didn't sound like and that was actually kind of the funny thing is that you know going through and looking at all the votes and everything after we found out whose call was whose i didn't even vote for my own call because i was i was still a little um critical of my own call you know and and i realized some things to improve on it and everything which you know which helped um obviously i've made a few tweaks since then but um Every one of them sounded excellent, man. I mean, I, like I said, I think you can call in ducks with every single one of them. Dude, it was a uh, a really, really cool event. And just, you know, that feedback you can get from Mingo alone just from running it. Like, that is priceless information, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, like I had said, like like something that, that Sean had said, you know, um, uh, as we were leading up to before people found out, you know, the, what the results were, like something he had said during the week while people were still voting was to, you know, for people to take the time out, especially the call makers that had submitted their calls for people to take the time out, take notes on, on all the calls. Cause you know, I had no idea which one was mine. I'm pretty sure nobody called what, what call was actually theirs. Um, so like he had said, you know, take the time out to go through and do a critique on it because, you know, this is a, a, an opportunity to kind of take like almost like an out-of-body experience in terms of, you know, being perhaps more critical of yourself, you know, as, an, as, a, as a spectator, basically, you know, because you, you have no idea which call of those was yours. And so it was, a, it was a, an interesting opportunity to, to actually hear it perhaps from, from somebody else's perspective. I agree, man. It's uh, it was very, very interesting, and it was a really cool, you know, idea format. I don't. I, it's just this something that we've been longing for quite a while with all this crazy COVID nonsense, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, Seth posted his competition kind of concept the other day, and you know, honestly, he took some backlash over it. And we had a good hour-long conversation um, immediately after he posted that. Like, it was the day that me and Michael were doing the podcast. And uh, he got off work that next day and called me. And we talked for about an hour, you know, just trying to discuss it. Because I'm in the mindset of the more contests, the better. You know? for sure. um, Yeah. It's fun. It's a way to grow. It's a way to progress. It keeps everybody's creative juices flowing. And he was really concerned with some of the backlash that he caught over it. And I was like, dude, you're never going to run a perfect contest. Every no, single, absolutely not. Yeah, every single year people complain about, you know, worlds in a calling contest. They complain about East and they complain about NWTF. It doesn't matter how much effort, time somebody puts into it. There's always going to be those detractors. I was like... Don't worry about that crap. Put on your contest. Look at the people who are entering that thing. Callmakers are entering it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's some of the most respected callmakers in the game that entered it immediately. So I, I told him, I was like, all right, man. Well, we've had an hour-long conversation. I was like, we're going to – me and him are uh, going to do a podcast on Saturday. 
and we're gonna talk about it. I was like, let's just put it out there for the whole world because you're explaining a lot of stuff that I think people are misconstruing. So the whole concept of having some more call making contests is, it seems it's really controversial controversial over the last uh, 48 hours, but man, I'm in the mindset of the more the better, dude. It's it's Absolutely. better for the art. Especially right now, I mean, but with, with all of the shows being canceled, or, you know, most of the shows being canceled this year because of COVID and everything, you know, it, it, it's still a good opportunity also to kind of, you know, a, a healthy distraction, you know, to, to do something, do something creative, do something that's, you know, not focusing on, on all this negative crap that's going on right now or the elections or political stuff or it, it's, it's something outside of that, something that, it's still centered around something that all of us love in terms of, you know, duck hunting and doing something creative. And so, I mean, it's either way, no matter what, you're going to have, like you said, you're going to have critics regardless. Um, you know, and, that, and that's the, the beautiful thing of it is, you know, without, um, you know, different opinions, you know, how, how can it, how can it get better? If everybody thought the same, that would be awfully damn boring. So, <laughs> well, yeah. And there's different, <laughs> You know, there's different variations of every single type of contest out there. So it's like, absolutely. why does one person's rule set have to apply to everybody's? I like the variety, you know, to be able... It, Real Foot runs completely different from NWTF. NWTF mm-hmm. runs completely different from Easton. It's kind of cool to have that different concepts in all the different ones, man. Yeah, if, if, if they all did them the same, mm-hmm. then chances are pretty much the same people would be, be winning all the contests. Not that winning is necessarily the end all be all of it. You know, it's, it's all and every, every contest is an opportunity to potentially improve and, you know, do something different, but you know, it'd be kind of boring, right? If they're all the same, then if they're all the same, what's the purpose of having several of them? Exactly. Did you listen to uh, the one I did with Meredith the other day? Uh, I started to, and then, um, actually I, I was listening to it just before, um, my girls decided that they, they wanted to have some playtime, obviously, so I had to put down the phone and <laughs> oh, yeah, play with them. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, I, I've i had this idea bounce around in my head, and he started talking about it. And let's be real. I have 10, 11 hours by myself all day long, so my brain is just constantly filtering in ideas and out ideas all day long. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. My, my brain's a scary place to be sometimes. But uh, <laughs> an idea for a contest, and I've asked a few different call makers, you know, what they'd think about it, is I'm, I wouldn't even put myself in it, honestly, to uh, keep myself, you know, subject to any kind of discontent or just from it being a BTBN thing. But a head-to-head style competition, kind of like Michael and Will Shelley are doing right now, but yeah, have like it the callmaker callouts or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but have it bracketed off to where you have 32 callmakers. You go up head-to-head. There's two head-to-head matchups a week. You do like a review system based off of like a meat routine that the callmakers blow themselves. So yeah, the concept would be. Um, like, I, I don't know, I'm going to talk, I have a few guys in mind that I'm going to talk to competition color wise to do the judging of that, like a, a dark video like Domingo did where he's listening for the call's range, volume, transitions, and then he's also going to judge the routine, but that's going to be, you know, one part of the overall score. 
And yeah. then we're going to come up with a score for either one or two, you know, one or two wins. And then I'm going to post a picture and everybody's going to do the same material. And then people are going to pick if there's like a, a score that's close in the calling aspect of it. Then that'll be the tiebreaker for like creativity, use of materials, you know, and then uh, just overall functionality. And it, like pick a competition caller to judge that side of stuff. Pick another person that's involved in the call making that's not entering the competition. And then, you know, say it's one and one. And then, I, you know, I'll, I'll pick just overall, I don't know, kind of like an ink master type thing. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, you know, there's a final overall decision if they can't come to a decision. And then right. you move on. So there's only two a week. You have 32 call makers. So you would have like six or seven weeks before you potentially had to go again. So it's not like a big detriment where you're having to build a new call every two weeks or whatever. And then it's like a bracketed thing. You move on, just like the NCAA finals, you know. That's Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it would... I'm thinking like doing, you know, like a $25 entry fee and then the winner of it takes all, deduct whatever it costs me to build a freaking badass trophy for it. I don't give a crap about making money. I might have to convince whoever helps do the judging maybe kick them back a little bit but have the winner take all yeah but i just yeah i don't want to be another guy who's just jumping on the competition bandwagon but you know it's just different than every other one that's being done right now oh for sure yeah it's like you're you know it's also sounds sounds like you're kind of running the gauntlet too i mean you're you're putting a lot more to there's a lot more structure a lot more stuff to it other than just one all-out single blow too yeah and exactly and it's you know it's an overall call maker competition idea where it's you have to be able to blow the hell out of your call too (laughs) you know you have to be able to run a routine because if you're a call maker you have to be able to run a freaking call you know to put it through its paces and uh so that's why it'll play a smaller part and the overall judging of the the call side, the calling part of it, but it's still going to be a thing. It's like, hey, there's some people out there who can make a damn good call, but they can't blow worth a crap. So it's like <laughs> you're you're not going to make the cut, man. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because I, I joke with with a, with a bunch of my friends because um, a lot of guys I talk to, I, I, there's there's some folks I, on the call as I talk to pretty much every day. Um, but I joke with them a lot. I'm like, man, I really suck at calling. I got to get better if I'm going to be making calls. So that, that's something I've been, I've been trying to also work on, try to focus on is trying to work on my calling. I think I'm definitely getting a lot better than I was, you know, even a year ago. But you know, I absolutely agree that if you're a call maker, you should, you should be able to blow a call. That being said, I definitely can't blow a call like, like Mingo or like some of these other call makers that are also, you know, competition callers but oh yeah and you know (laughs) those guys their style i'm thinking more of like uh, a mixture of like a live duck and a meat routine to where it's not you know a main street competition because those guys put in years and years and years of work and the majority of call makers are not running calls like that at all no right 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 so you know just showing the versatility of the call so just i don't know something cool but man after seeing some of the backlash in the last it seth actually texted me today while i was at the gym like two hours ago and uh he was taking some heat right then and there and he he 
he messaged me. He's like, who the hell is this guy that's freaking talking crap to me right now? And I was like, dude, just don't engage with the trolls. I was like, I don't even know who that guy is. He's never made a call. He doesn't do freaking competition calling. I, I have no idea who he is, so don't waste your time. Yeah, no doubt. Oh. So, what what inspired you to get into this call-making thing, man? Like, I said it in the little intro I did right before we hit record. I was like, he got a call from me, and then it was like a month later, I saw him putting out his own calls, and I was like, that's super cool, man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been collecting calls for years. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I, I actually wanted to get into duck hunting a long, long time. Um, I didn't get into any kind of hunting until um, after I got out of the military and got back home. But uh, I didn't start actually duck hunting until about five years ago, four or five years ago. Um, so I got into duck hunting. Um, you know, I was intrigued. You know, but the what one of the first guys that I went out duck hunting with, he could blow the heck out of a call. I was like, man, it's like that's awesome. Like he, he can just blow like that and. Obviously, it takes a lot of practice, takes a lot of skill to go through to do that. But also, you know, how does that thing work? <laughs> you know, um, so you know, I got a got a call and started trying to blow on it, and obviously, you know, I sucked pretty terribly. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and for the first, you know, for for the first year, I didn't try calling at all while I was out hunting. As you know, it probably not the best idea for, for a rookie to get out there and start start calling with if, you, if you've got birds coming in um, but um, started working on it more and more started collecting calls you know like a year or two later you know, I've been collecting calls for a couple of years now and I got I, I've got calls got, got quite a few calls from a lot of really good call makers and so you know as I'm collecting more and collecting more I'm like man that'd be kind of cool to, to make some calls um you know, so I started getting that thought in my head and, uh, hunting with, with some buddies, um, they had some calls that didn't really sound all that great and didn't necessarily work all that great and felt kind of bad for them, you know, cause they had spent, you know, a decent amount of money paying for these calls and kind of felt like they, they got had, like they got worked over. I'm like, man, I was like, that sucks. Um, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I could be able to make some calls and, and then I could make them you know, calls for the same price or to help just making some, some calls just to give them, you know. And if anything, if I can make a good sounding call, it's only going to benefit me and the blind anyway. Right. Um, so I was like, all right. And then this whole COVID thing happened and, you know, people are looking for other hobbies, stuff to do while they're locked up in quarantine. I was like, man, that'd, that'd be pretty cool. I went to Palooza and, you know, watched, um, Watch them working on, you know, that they had the two different teams working on making calls. So I, I was watching them turn, you know, talking to a bunch of the different call makers and everything. And I, I guess that was kind of actually the, the more of the, the final push that kind of pushed me into it. Um, talked to a bunch of the call makers, you know, just being around the, that environment and everything. I was like, oh man, I got to do this. So then a couple of weeks later, talking to a wife, I was like, I really want to do this. Uh, you know, being the awesome wife that she is, um, was like, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, she was like, if it's going to make you happy, then, you know, sure, whatever. And so, um, <laughs> that's a that's a role reversal for most of 
does. Well, <laughs> normally, it normally it's really? us saying, do whatever's going to make you happy. Just don't bother me with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't she quite think she realized how much money, how much time is going to put into it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I, I, I've made sure not to share that. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Not until you break even, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. But, uh, you know, so she was supportive. She was like, you know, go ahead, do it. And so I think maybe she might have been expecting me to gradually work into this thing. But within, like, oh, a week, two weeks, I had had bought my lathe, bandsaw, drill press, chop saw, that, all this other stuff, all these Jesus. other tools, packages just coming in the door. She's like, what in the hell are you doing? It's like, you said I could do it, so I pulled the trigger. Dude, I didn't even tell my girlfriend until I had already ordered everything. She knew that I made calls and I took the year off. And I was like, hey, um, so I'm going to start turning calls again. And I'm actually going to go pick up a new bench today. And everything else is already in the mail. Nice. <laughs> yeah. She was like, What? And I was like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I've already been doing it for a long time. It's just I haven't been doing it since we got together. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it, it's been a whirlwind for, for the last, you know, four months or so. Uh, as I started trying to figure it all out, and, you know, of course, I've had a bunch of, a bunch of guys help me. I've talked to, you know, a lot of different call makers, and they've given a lot of different um, – you know, uh, good advice on, on how to go about doing this thing, uh, uh, you know, how to do certain things, how to sand, how to turn, how to, how to do, you know, different things with it. So, you know, and, and that's one thing that I think is really cool about actually about this community, not just the, the call collecting and call making community is really cool community you know we do a lot of stuff for a lot of different people but the call makers themselves you know just helping out each other people each other out you know with figuring out how to do different things you know all the different creative stuff that everybody could do is just nuts and it's like no matter what you know where while uh-oh we lost him for a second hold on we'll call him back real quick all right, yeah, we got him back on the line now, and uh, he had to remind me where we were at because, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you were talking about uh, the call maker community and how great everybody's been. Oh yeah, so I mean, when I first started this thing, I was super nervous about you know trying to figure it all out, and obviously, you know, I've, I've definitely had to figure a lot of it out by myself. But the call maker community is just super cool about how how helpful they are, you know with new call makers, you know, trying to figure out different elements of, you know, how to finish a call or how to do inlays or, you know, how to do all this different stuff. And so it's been, been really helpful, um, in trying to figure this whole thing out. Yeah, man, I agree. I've said it on the past ones and people who've listened to every one of them, I'm sure it sounds repetitious, but it's only because it's true. It, everybody is like a freaking open book, man. And it's, uh, oh, yeah. It's so amazing because in other, you know, ventures, avenues, whatever you want to say in life, people usually aren't like that in that competitive nature. But call making is so special because everybody shares, you know, almost everything. And uh, yeah. to the the guy who's got his lathe this week, you know, people are giving information to. It's just, it's really a unique, special place. 
It, it absolutely is. I mean, in most you know instances where people are trying to do something, make a little bit of money, even though if, if somebody were to ask me if making calls was, was a good way for them to make money, I'd probably tell them to they should probably find something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a freaking Unless, black hole, man. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, because like uh, I, I've told some of my friends, like, oh, I, I sold a few calls this week, but I already spent that money on more materials or more tools or <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like it's like everything is going right back into it. <laughs> you know, it's it's very cyclical. But I mean it. You know, it, it, it is, you know, somewhat of a small business, but it's not It's not necessarily about making the money. It's about, you know, having that creative outlet, doing something that's, you know, pretty cool to do. And uh, for me, because I've only been make, making calls for, you know, four months, it's going to be a, a huge payout, you know, coming this this coming duck season when, you know, I, I can talk to the guys I've sold calls to and or, you know, me, myself, use my own calls to call in some ducks. And that's... To me, that's a bigger payout than you know any amount of money. Really, is be able to see something actually be put to good use and be successful. Well, yeah, that man, you you started it in March. I think I started my first year messing with calls in May. So yeah, when that October November hit there, that was when it was like really cool. Yeah, like I, I was talking to uh, a buddy. Oh, I think it's like two weeks ago. Um, he's a guy I hunt with. I'm actually going on a uh, an elk hunt in Idaho with him this year. Um, uh, he's like, hey man, you know, when, and he had told me like when I first started. He's like, well, uh, when you can, he's like, I want to call and something looks kind of kind of neat and you know something that's just a little bit different. And so um there's a call that i had already made and i was uh, kept messing around with it, kept messing around with it, got to where you know i liked it as a picote call with the hedge band and uh it's like hey man i got this call i think you really like it I sold it to him um he went out that afternoon and he lives near a lake he went out to that afternoon to to this lake there's a, a there's a tree on the edge of the lake that pretty close to his house he sat under that tree and there were 30 ducks on the lake he called them all in with that call i was like that's awesome yeah that's freaking <laughs> cool man yeah and i was like dude i was like that that's that is just awesome so it, it's something that changes inside of your brain when you start making your own calls and i can imagine it's probably the same for decoys but the whole hunt changes like I used to, you know, just like every other guy who started, especially, you know, military, you know, just that high octane, high energy type stuff. And it was like, man, you know, I just want to go. Let's go. I want to see birds. I want to see a lot of birds. You know, I want some trigger time. I started messing with calls, man. And it was like, all right, now all I care about is breaking ducks. Like, you know, I don't even care right. about pulling the triggers. I want to work freaking birds. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that, that's going to be something I'm sure probably a different element for me too. Like as as we uh, I start actually using the calls to call in ducks. Like man, I, I don't even care. Let me just call in these ducks for you. I just <laughs> want to see them work. <laughs> right, man. Right. You're uh, you're another Missouri guy, from what I remember. Isn't that correct? Yes, sir. I live up in uh, in Lee Summit. It's about forty minutes from the Kansas City Airport. Yeah, you're. Uh, doesn't uh, Winger live in Lee Summit? 
Uh, he actually, I think he lives on the Kansas side. Um, That's like right. The, he lives like, in like Overland Park or like yeah. around that area. I think. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, at least you're a, a Kansas City guy instead of a St. Louis guy, and that's not knocking any Can- or St. Louis guys. I'm just uh, more of a Kansas City fan than a, a St. Louis fan, personally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's actually funny, but my uh, my wife grew up in Springfield, and uh, she's, a, she's a Cardinals fan. And so, you know, during come baseball season, granted, you know, I'm not a huge baseball fan necessarily, um, and neither is she, but you know we've gone to to a couple uh, Cardinals Royals games, and it's always entertaining. <laughs> okay, so I live in Springfield, you know, and it's down here in between. Mm-hmm. And you know how many people tell me that they're a Royals and a Cardinals fan, and I was like, no, you're not a fan of either team because. You cannot be a fan of both teams because they are rivals. Absolutely. That's like saying I'm a Yankees and a Boston fan. Like, it, it doesn't right. work. Right. And, I mean, Grant said, you know, they're American League and National League, but they, they, they still have that history, though. <laughs> well, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's wild. And it's really funny because I love Kansas City for the city itself. My uh, I, The majority of my family lives in Kansas City. And... You know, for freaking years, my uncle always had uh, Royal season tickets. I mean, I'm talking like when they were dirt cheap, Royals had been last place for freaking 15 years. And I grew up rooting for the Royals just because they were close and they sucked, (laughs) you know, forever. I grew up, I'm a Braves fan for life. They were on TBS every day as a kid. You know, I'm I'm sorry from Springfield. I'm a bandwagon Braves fan. I hate the Cardinals. I root for the Royals just because you know it, it's like picking the last place team every year. And then they had you know their little good run a couple of years ago, and it was like cool. The Royals right, finally like got theirs. Yeah. But it's it's not like I was like oh well my team's gonna be the Yankees. You know if if I have to pick an AL team, it's gonna well of course you're picking the Yankees. But uh, right. you know I hate. With a passion, the Chiefs. I I root for the Royals, but I'm a Denver fan. Oh no! I know, right? Don't even ask me how it started, but you know, Elway and Terrell Davis. Like I, I I've been a Broncos fan. I lived through the uh, the Kyle Orton years, the the Tebow time magic for eight games, and and now we're back to sucking again. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell you, I am I am a I wouldn't say it's a diehard, but I, you know I've been a lifelong Chiefs fan. Uh, had season tickets for you know five or six years, also. Um, so you know I'm, I'm definitely a Chiefs fan through and through. Um, and I can understand you know the allure of, of, of the Broncos, you know, especially during the Elway years or during the Peyton Manning years, you know. Obviously, they had some great talent around them and everything else. So, I mean, I, I can definitely understand that. They had, they had a lot of success also. At the same time, you know, I, I love my Chiefs, so I, I uh, definitely still root against the donkeys and against the... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you guys have paid the dues, and it was... You know, me and my buddy would go back and forth. Everybody down here is a freaking Chiefs fan. All my buddies are Chiefs fans. 
And I've had the majority of my life giving them a hard time. My whole family is Chiefs fans. I mean, like, to the point of where they have, like, Chiefs memorabilia in the basements and, like, painted murals on the base. Like, everybody's a Chiefs fan in my whole entire family. And I think that's why I went with the Broncos when I was a kid. It was the rivalness, you know, just being an individual. But, uh... I mean, at least we're not a Raiders fan. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Nobody wants to be a Raiders fan. Um, But, man, you know, for the majority of my life, it's been ragging on the Chiefs. I was like, dude, you guys haven't even won a playoff game in your lifetime. You know, (laughs) that was for the longest time. But the (laughs) the first time I ever saw Mahomes in a game, it was his rookie year. It was preseason week four, you know, garbage time. And he was like, it was like third and freaking 20, you know, third and goal, I think. And they were like back at the 20. And yeah. I saw this dude come under a freaking triple blitz and take, throw off of his freaking back foot, stepping back and hit a dude just dead in the numbers in between triple coverage. And I was like, oh, hell, he's going to be really freaking good. I didn't think he would be what Patrick Mahomes is now, but holy cow, dude. That dude. Yeah, all, all the acrobatic crap oh, and no-look passes. Know, and Von Miller crazy, is man. my favorite freaking player, and he got up after freaking Mahomes threw it left-handed. Von Miller sacked Patrick Mahomes that play. If it's any other quarterback in the history of football besides maybe Michael Vick, that's a sack. And the Absolutely. dude switched hands – and threw it for a first down, and it really clinched the game on that play. And right. Von Miller just got up and looked, threw up his hands, and shook his head. He's like, "I don't know what else I can do, man." <laughs> you know, <laughs> the dude is and, a freak. And he's been and he's been doing that for a few years now. I mean, it's it, it's crazy, you know. It, it, he's definitely earned a lot of respect, um, you know, from defenses and, and offenses offenses alike. Man, it's just, it's crazy what what he's been able to do. Bro. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like I said that, I actually said that same exact thing because um, uh, I still had season tickets uh, during uh, Kelsey's rookie rookie season. We were at a preseason game and uh, we saw Kelsey out there. I was like, you know, this dude's going to be big. Like, watch, he's he's going to be a, he's going to be something. You know, for tight ends go, he's going to be a huge asset. And you know, within within that first year, I was like, "Dang, this dude's awesome!" It's like, I, I called it. I called it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Dude, it's uh, <clears throat> it's gonna be dark days in old uh, in Denver for the next uh, ten years at least, man. I'm just like, I told my buddy, I was like, "You better hope he freaking resigns because uh, <sighs> I'm not like Drew Locke. I have." some kind of like hey maybe we have a quarterback again but there is nobody right now that i'm excited for like freaking patrick mahomes and as a denver fan you know or as somebody that's not a denver fan i'm excited for denver for drew lock you know mostly because of the fact he's a missouri boy too you know because he uh i think he went to mu and he's actually from i think the least summit area yeah so yeah is he Lee Summit? I can't remember. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's another local Missouri boy. So it's like you have to be happy for the dude. And, you know, he, he showed some flashes. But, you know, I watched um, the NFL Combine when Mahomes was uh, was up. 
and or not the combine. It was just kind of like the interviews and stuff they did. And it was Mahomes and the late great Jim Kelly were on there. And Jim Kelly had a freaking cannon. Like he's the forgotten quarterback because Buffalo lost those four in a row. But right. he was throwing with Mahomes on there, and they were running a radar gun. And Jim Kelly had a cannon, like equivalent to Brett Favre cannon. And he was throwing, I think, an average of like 64, 65 miles an hour. Now, granted, he was old at the time. And, uh, you know, the average NFL quarterback, I think, throws 63 miles an hour. Freaking Mahomes stepped up on his first shot and threw it like 68. And Jim Kelly was like, holy crap, dude. <laughs> like, that's the difference between a 94 mile an hour pitcher and a 99 mile an hour pitcher. Like, that's, you know, way different. Absolutely, yeah. It's a huge difference. It's uh, it's exciting times, man, and I, I miss sports so bad. Baseball just returned tonight, and uh, it's really hard to even be excited for it because they're, what, like a third of the season left, and nobody's playing. Half of the Braves are on COVID watch. Like, I just don't even care about sports right now. Right, yeah, it's... You know, honestly, like even when football season rolls around, like I think it's it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Like it's, you know, I'm hopeful that you know that they're they're going to be able to have some kind of normalcy, but at the same time, like I'm definitely not expecting it. It'll be, you know, I imagine they'll put a damper on the football season and everything, also. So. Uh, I'm ready for 2020 to be over, and you know I don't like to wish away time, but I'm ready for all this stuff to kind of go over and be able to get back to some kind of normal routine. Man, I saw a meme. It was uh, I don't know, like probably two months ago, three months ago. Now I can't remember. Maybe it was like a month ago, but anyway, it was like I always wanted to know what it was like to live through the Civil War. The Great Depression, the Spanish flu, and uh, the um, civil rights movement. I just didn't want them all to happen at the same time. <laughs> like 2020, no you are a freaking bipolar. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's Man, it's been nuts. It, it has been absolutely crazy. Did it affect your job, or are you retired military at this point? No, no, I uh, I work uh, I work for Honeywell, um, and I, I've got a pretty pretty good job there. To where I was actually able to, to work from home there for a while. I think I worked for, for from home for about oh five six weeks or so, um, which <laughs> was a challenge in itself. But uh, I'm definitely grateful that I was able to do that. Though you know, I know I know a lot of folks lost their jobs or they got furloughed or, or whatever. Um, so luckily I, I was able to work from home yeah dude it's uh it's tough we were uh well before I forget are Honeywell like Honeywell like uh machinery like turbochargers and stuff like that uh it's it's a different vis- uh, division of, of Honeywell we we, we we made quite a bit different stuff gotcha. um, I was gonna say I've built like probably 20,000 Honeywell turbochargers <laughs> when I used to uh, reman turbos. Oh, right on. Yeah, no, we we don't. Um, I mean, we've got areas that do machining and stuff like that. We we, we make a lot of different stuff. Right on. Um, but yeah, what I was gonna say is it's it's a very strange time. You know, people are out of work, out of money. It's 
you know, they expected people to live off a t- one twelve hundred dollar stipend, and then tell right. them they can't go back to work. I uh, I had a buddy who ended up freaking losing his job two weeks before all the COVID stuff happened. So he can't, he couldn't find a job. He's not getting the thousand dollar a week unemployment thing like everybody else is getting. And it's just like, it's it's just unprecedented times, and it's it's insane. My uh, my girl works for our schools down here in Nixa. She works for Nixa Public Schools, and Springfield just voted for the public schools that they're only going to have two day a week sessions for Jeez. the public schools. And then I'm sure Nix is going to follow suit. And it's like, how do you expect the people that have jobs to find any kind of childcare for three days a week, which is all shut down because of COVID? And it's like, I don't, I might become a full-time call maker if they freaking do this nonsense. Like, (laughs) I don't know how the hell I'm going to go to work, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I was fortunate in that um, before all the COVID stuff came out, that uh, we, we just had, or not just had, um, we had a, a uh, my youngest, um, actually a year ago on Saturday, um, and my wife and I had been talking about it, you know, when, after she was a couple months old, you know, we're like, oh, well, are you going to go back to work? Are you going to stay home? And we made the decision that, that she was going to stay home. So she only went back to work for a little bit and then she quit and she stayed home. So luckily she's been able to to be here with the kids and everything so that way i could still work because otherwise yeah that would have been she would have had to have 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 quit her job if she hadn't already or you would have to figure something else out because i i don't i don't don't know how 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 a lot of people are are really gonna do it yeah man it's it's wild you were uh you were in the the um uh, I was gonna say armed forces. You, what are you a marine? Yes, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I was navy, but no. Nah. <laughs> hey, it's all good. It's all good. We went well, to uh, Wilmington one year, which you know has that big uh, marine base. What is that? Jackson, North Carolina. Uh, Jacksonville, yeah. Jacksonville, yeah. So yeah, Camp Lejeune. Yes. So we pulled in there and we were doing our commissioning down in Wilmington, and our CO told us. He was like, "All right, there's a marine base within an hour and a half. Don't don't screw up. Don't make us look dumb out here. Don't get in a fight. You know, we're all on the same side. Don't be stupid and make us look bad." So what do I do the first night that I go down to Wilmington and there's very clearly a bunch of marines hanging out, you know, at the bar club that we were in. What's going on, fellas? Let me buy you the first round. Dude, I had my best friends the whole night long. I ended up getting escorted out of the club by the bouncer, and my buddy was like, I don't know, man. I was looking for you, because I asked him when I got back to the ship, and uh, or the next morning, I was pretty well hungover, and I had duty that day. was supposed to be staying and watching stuff. And was, That's usually how it works out. <laughs> oh, my God. So, it was really bad. My uh, E-8 actually had to put me on top of his shoulders and carry me back onto the ship. Like, oh, shit. I... I I went hard, man. So I, yeah. I asked my buddy the next day. I was like, dude, what in the hell happened? How did you let me freaking disappear? And he goes, I was looking for you, 
and there were a bouncer on each arm, and they were escorting you out of the club, and you were still dancing <laughs> on the way out of the club. <laughs> then uh, we had a duty driver, you know, that uh, was on duty that day, and he picked up people from like the gate and took them back to the ship and stuff. Right. And uh, he's. I, w- I asked him the next day because it was the talk of the whole ship. I was the idiot that fucked up the one night the captain said, "Don't screw up and make yeah, us look bad." You're, you're the Lebo speech, right? Night. Right. I'm the reason <laughs> that people are giving safety speech, you know. And uh, I asked my buddy. I was like, "Dude, what happened?" He's like, "You were at the at the gate, and they said that uh, you weren't responding to any of their questions or anything like that." And you were just sitting there, and uh, I came and picked you up. You jumped up in the freaking van and said, "I should have beat that beat beat that bouncer's ass and danced my way back into the club." And I was like, "Great!" I was like, "I do not dance at all." So that was hilarious. So I see, you know, the captain the next day after freaking duty. I make it through freaking. We uh we stood four on four off because we were trying to do minimum watches in port. So I had freaking 12 hours of watch that day on the pier. Or, I'm sorry, five on, five off. I had 15 hours. And um, I make it through, and I, I've i already decided I'm not going to drink the rest of the freaking week. I'm going to be a good, you know, good person and uh, not screw up and get myself in trouble. And we're in a big group of guys, and we're walking out. And we see the captain, the XO, coming by. And they're like hey guys how's it going you know and everybody's like oh great skip you know we're having a great time all this kind of stuff and he's like good i'm glad you're enjoying the city and i'm in the back of the group and i just put my head down you know (laughs) he hasn't talked to me yet like i figured i was gonna you know get my ass chewed and uh i keep walking i make it about 15 feet past him and he goes petty officer adams and i just stop slowly turn around yes sir He's like, I heard you had a little too much fun the other night. I was like, yes, sir. He goes, yeah, make sure you be a little more careful. I'd hate to have to see you at Captain's Mass next week. And I was like, oh, God, yes, sir. I'm sorry. And then he just starts laughing and continues the conversation with everybody else. And I was like, ah, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> it's those, uh, those times, man. There's a lot of times I really miss the military and the camaraderie. But uh, there's a lot of times, like, you know, that ship, the Eisenhower that was stuck off freaking port and quarantine for 120 days or whatever. Oh, their skipper man, that got... so rough. Yeah, right? And uh, there's one that's on deployment, and they have not... They broke the record for not hitting port, and it was like 190 days or some craziness. And I'm like, I'm Hell. glad I'm out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Did you just do four in the Marines, or did you do more? So I, I did four, got out, and I was in I was in out a full year, and then I went on uh, ADSW orders actually. Uh, so I mean, it kind of counted towards active duty time. It, it basically, you're kind of like active, but reserves at that point. Um, but I, I was just doing admin stuff at that point anyway. Just, helping out with mobilization orders and stuff like that very cool did you did you do the the reserve t- or i guess it counted as active time for another four years it, it, it actually uh i only did for like a year and some change um and then i cut it off i was like all right uh, i'm gonna bounce like i 
I was trying, I was kind of in between where I was trying to decide if, if I wanted to actually go back in full active or, um, get out. And then, uh, my mom passed away and I was like, yeah, all right, um, I'm getting out. I'm going to go, I'm going to change the scenery. So then I got out and I actually moved down to, to Springfield. Um, cause I, I'd actually met my, uh, my now wife shortly after that and i was like screw it i'm gonna move down to springfield so i moved down there for a couple of years and um it's completely changed what i was doing (laughs) (laughs) right man that's uh i never thought in my life that i would come back to freaking springfield and now i'm back (laughs) you know (laughs) but uh that's good man that uh you know you were able to make that decision it was it was really weird when i got out i i wanted i think i got out and i was 25 and i wanted to keep the options open to go back in so you know you when you get out everybody tells you they're like make sure you claim every single thing you've ever had migraines all this different type of stuff and you know i talked to the doc on our ship he's like dude if you claim anything you're not getting back in and he's like, you're 24, 25. He's like, you can do whatever you want, and I'll help you walk it through. I I get pretty mag- bad migraines, but I don't think it's anything. I don't I don't deserve to you know disability from it. I wasn't in combat. Like uh, that's not for me, and that's the way I always felt about it. And uh, he was like, but honestly, I wouldn't shut that door at your age, man. If you ever want to get back in, and now I'm getting to the end of the window you know 35 is that cutoff <laughs> and i'm in my 30s and uh i have to really think i'm not gonna ever go back in at this point but it's like you know you know you feel that window closing and you're like oh crap you know if i ever want to go back in now is the time yeah no i had a few times you know i've had a few times where after i got out like man yeah you know, I'd, I'd sure love to go back in and, you know, finish it out, collect retirement, you know, because, you know, in some aspects, um, and I think really only anybody who's ever been in can, can really understand, in some aspects, it's a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> Dude, everything's um, structured for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's not an easy life, but it... You know, it, it, it's more simple. You know, it's, I don't think it's as complex because of the fact you have so much structure <laughs> around you. And it's like, you know, it's easy. All I want to do is go through, do my job, you know, every once in a while. You know, maybe go through a promotion board or something like that. You know, I have some complicated stuff along the way. But, you know, you don't have as much feelings. And, right. <laughs> and, and all all of the drama and stuff to really go through as much as you do in the civilian world. I was I was great at the military. It was something that my uh, my high school football coach, it was his favorite saying in the world, and it applies to so much in life. And he's like, be on time, be where you're supposed to be, be wearing what you're supposed to wear, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I was like, dude, that's the military. All you have to do is show up on time, make sure you're in the uniform of the day, and do your job. That's all you have to do. Absolutely. <laughs> that applies to so much of life, but like you're saying, you know, all the the amount of free time that I have now versus, you know, the military is I have 
you know, I, we were talking about it earlier. I have to structure out my days so complicated to make sure I get my stuff done. And it's almost like being back in the military just to make sure that I get all of the things that I want to achieve done. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. But, uh, tell me your favorite, uh, your favorite, this has gone from call making to the military, the chiefs, the everything else. But that's why I like the podcast, man. People always ask me, they're like, well, what are you going to ask me? And I'm like, I don't know, wherever the hell it goes, man. Yeah, whatever comes up. I mean, <laughs> what's your uh, your favorite favorite military story? Oh, um, favorite military story that I can probably tell. Well, you don't have to mention any names. <laughs> uh, so, oh, jeez. Well. Um, I'll still keep it a little bit PC, but um, <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, this one time when um, me and a couple buddies, we had a 96 coming up, uh, 72 or 96, either way, we, we had a holiday coming up, and uh, we were at this point in time, you know, I was I was stationed in 29 Palms, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, all there is in that whole fucking base is 29 palms. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so when when I got deployed, I was already used to it because we have basically nothing to look at the sand anyway. So it was great. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so... In 20 Palms, obviously, there is basically nothing to do but go to. Um, there's like a, there's a bar and there's a, um, I guess, kind of a dance club. There, and there's the stumps and there's a club silver screen at the time. And that was basically all you had to do on base, or you know, that was off base, but that was basically it, unless you went to the E club or something, which I never really did. I never got into that, but. Um, so we had a, a holiday weekend coming up. We're like, all right, let's get as far away as we could. And so we, we put in for an out of bounds shift um, to go down to Rosarito, uh, go down to Mexico. <laughs> and yeah, you know where this is going. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so for, and as I'm sure anybody who's ever been stationed in that area in the military probably has a mexico story or five and so (laughs) um this was the first time i think this was the first time that i'd ever been down no maybe not um this was the first time that we were going this route anyway going through because as anybody who's ever been to mexico in that area knows you go through san diego and then you cross over the border, I think, near San Isidro, and then you cross into Tijuana. Um, and it was not our plan to stay in Tijuana. Um, <laughs> but as anybody who's ever been in Tijuana for any length of time knows, especially if you're military, then there are plenty of temptations to uh, potentially stifle what plans you had. So <laughs> we... Uh, we were driving through, we're like, all right, we're going to, you know, stay here, have a few drinks, maybe uh, stay here for the night, and then in the morning we'll get up and we'll go to go to Rosarito. Um, 
and that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so we started out having a few drinks, went to this bar, and I think we had a couple buckets. And you know, there there's a there's someone that would um, roll around on roller skates with this bottle of tequila and pour it down your throat. They blow this whistle, and you're supposed to just tip, tilt your head back, open your mouth, and just pour <laughs> tequila down your throat. And uh, I mean, within redound a lot of beer and a lot of tequila in a very short time frame and so everybody was feeling pretty good you know i had a buddy go all right well i'm gonna go check out let's go check out the strip clubs and one buddy's like yeah i'm gonna go check out this girl over on the street if you know what i mean right um (laughs) (laughs) and so we kind of split up which is not necessarily the best thing to do obviously um, there were four of us. Two of us went went to a uh, strip club. Um, the other two went to this other bar, and one of them eventually went to go try to talk to this girl. Anyway, me and my buddy, we go to the strip, strip club. We're having fun and kind of lose track of time. And eventually, we're like, okay, well, we got to get, get a hold of these other guys, you know, try to find them. Well, I guess there's a part in there that's kind of entertaining, too. Um so we get to this strip club and we're talking to these girls and um, uh, my my buddy that I was with spoke Spanish luckily um, even though I could talk I could speak a little bit of Spanish and you know nothing uh, quite <laughs> hey, enough to, menos. <laughs> right right those más cervezas por favor but anyway so so we're we're talking to to these girls in the in the strip club and they they really liked me because evidently they they liked white boys with blue eyes, and uh, so she um, it, we had a good time. Um, <laughs> we get done, we're like, okay, so let's go figure out what the other guys are doing. So we try to give them a call. We get hold of one of them. We're like, hey, dude, where you at? And where's this other dude at? He goes, well, I'm over here, but I don't know where the other guy is. So we meet up with the third guy. And we start walking around. We go, oh, well, maybe he's over at the club. And we're like, oh no, wait a minute, I think it's closed. So we're like, oh crap. So we're walking around trying to call a cell phone. And we do this till about I don't know, two, three a.m. We're like, okay, don't know where the heck he is. Maybe he hooked up with somebody. Went home with them. Let's just maybe go back and maybe try to sleep a few hours and then. Uh, in the morning, we'll try to find him again. So we get we went back. Uh, I think we might have slept a few hours. We get up around six or seven or whatever, and we start trying to call and look around again. Still nothing. <laughs> like man. So eventually, we get the we tried to, we called a couple taxi companies to figure out you know try to ask around if maybe anybody had uh, seen this dude or anything. And then one, I think somebody had said maybe you might want to call the jail oh, you know, just in God. case he got picked up right. yeah yeah and so we call the jail and they're like oh yeah 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 uh he was here he just got picked up by the coast guard oh shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so that's when we knew our weekend was over yeah uh, dude. that's bad yeah, because within within an hour, so we're like, well, we might as well start heading back. 
because within an hour or so he had gotten back to the base and they had called our cell phones looking for us so you guys better get the hell back here right now we were already on our way obviously and so we wound up getting uh wound up getting um i think probably page 11 or something like that you know for you got njp'd for it uh, not not full NJP. Uh, I didn't anyway. I think he did uh, because what had happened was he did what he was talking about doing. He uh, <laughs> left a bar to go try to talk to this girl, the lady of the night, and uh, <laughs> he still had a beer in his hand. And so in Tijuana, you aren't allowed to drink on the streets. You can do just about anything else, I think, but. Um, you're you're not allowed to have an open container, uh, container what? on the street, or at least that's what he was arrested for anyway. Um, so he got arrested. They he had like five hundred bucks in his pocket. They took they took his cell phone, you know, to make matters worse. And then um, he got NJP'd, and uh, we got um, I think I got non for promotion, which sucks because I would have actually picked up I, I was i think i was a lance coolie at the time i would have picked up corporal but i didn't had, had to wait to pick that up um another year after that i think damn dude but, that's crazy yeah You're like i was, thought this was mexico man <laughs> right yeah i mean we, we had fun you know it was it was a lot of fun it, you know it um didn't quite turn out as expected but um it was it was certainly interesting that's for sure that's that's became one of the more colorful experiences <laughs> while I was in. <laughs> Bro, we had interaction with Greek special forces one time in Athens <laughs> and we were in uh in port and we were out on liberty in Athens. So we had to uh moor out in port and we were taking these little taxi boats, you know, back and forth. So we're waiting on one of these little boats to get back and we're sitting in like a cruise line terminal. You know, kind of like a like an airport, you know, but for boats and shit. There's chairs and Wi-Fi and stuff like that. So we're just sitting there waiting, and uh, these doors open up, like a you know glass electronic doors open up, and I hear Lincoln Park playing. This is back in like 2011, and Lincoln Park is blaring, like somebody who's listening to music on their phone without their headphones in, blaring open. So we all naturally look over. And we're like maybe 30, 40 feet from the door. And in walk these two huge dudes. I mean, like pretty well-built dudes. And they're wearing typical like European clothing, super tight fucking. And and they're both carrying submachine guns. And I was like, oh shit, we're getting ready to be involved in like, you know, some type of international bad deal. Right, so, about to go down. <laughs> yeah, right. So naturally, out of my mouth comes out, and I go, "What the fuck?" And my buddy starts laughing because I said that out loud. <laughs> These dudes are walking past us, not paying any attention whatsoever, and they see him laughing, and they stop and do that pivot on their heels thing where they turn towards you and yeah. start walking up. And this dude's, you know, he's got his hand, they're like on shoulder slings, so he's got his hand on his gun, and he's pointing it at my buddy, but in a relaxed manner, you know, because it's on, he's not like actively pointing it, but it's very well capable of what he could do. And he goes, what the fuck are you guys doing? And we're like, what? And he's like, 
you fucking got jokes, man? And I looked at the dude and I said, I literally have no jokes, sir. I don't know what the hell is going on, but I have zero jokes at the moment. And uh, he's like, what the fuck are you doing in my country? And we're like, well, we're, we're Americans. We're in the Navy. You know, that big, huge cruiser that's sitting off the coast, uh, you know, like 200 yards that has full missiles on it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, don't you don't want to fuck with, you know, the United States Navy. That's going to be a really bad international incident. Yeah, it's going to be a bad day for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be good for any of us. <laughs> and... Uh, he looks at my buddy, and my buddy had just bought some fake Ray-Bans off a street vendor for, like, five euros. And he takes these fucking sunglasses off my buddy's face and goes, Oh, fucking Ray-Bans, man. These are pretty nice. And uh, he was like, Yeah, dude, they're fake. You can have them. And he fucking drops them on the ground and smashes them in front of him. And he's like, Fucking Americans think they got jokes and fucking <laughs> walks off. So naturally, we report that shit when we get back. And I was like, I don't know what they were. And they fucking start doing research. And it was freaking Greek special forces. And he, they're like, yeah, pretty much just don't fucking talk to those guys if you see them again. And I was like, oh, don't worry. That was never the intention in the first place. But right. me and my buddy, will. he lives in Virginia still. We'll still send each other like a random message every now and then. You got fucking jokes? <laughs> no, sir. I literally have no jokes. I'm completely uh, unarmed. <laughs> I, I got nothing for you, man. <laughs> Well, buddy, I'm glad that uh, you finally got some time to get on here, brother. It's been a fun one, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you've done. You've freaking hit the ground running, man, and uh, I'm just, I'm, I need to get one of your calls eventually, and uh, I'm just excited to see what you got going on, brother. Heck yeah, man. Uh, we're we're going to have to maybe get to, we're not that far apart. Maybe we can get a, a time to maybe even turn some calls together. That'd be fun. Absolutely, man. I need to get my butt back up that way. I haven't been there since before COVID, and uh, I know Wingert does his call night. I don't know when he's going to resume that sucker with all this stuff going on, but it'll it'll be fun, man, and uh, definitely need to get together. Heck yeah, man. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate it, brother, and I hope you have a great night, man. All right, you also. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. All right, guys, Nathan Talley up out of Kansas City, Missouri, Lee Summit specifically, but for people who uh, don't know where the heck that's at, that's pretty much Kansas City. Another good one, man. Another good call maker who's just started doing it. It is a very exciting time for call makers. So I hope you guys enjoyed the heck out of it. Like, share this thing, uh, leave us comments, reviews, subscribe. All the self-promotional things that I feel like I have to do. And don't you think that I forgot you guys have waited long enough for me to give away this stinking call. I put together the list. I pulled the winner earlier. The winner is Anthony Riom. It's R-E-Y-O-M-E. And I'll post this sucker on uh, the BTBN Facebook page as well so I can tag him. But... uh Man, he, he shared it, he tagged the friends, he he upped his odds of uh, winning this sucker. So he's going to get himself that wicked Buckeye Burl hybrid call. And now I'm left trying to figure out a new way to uh, get you guys to share these suckers. So I appreciate it, and I hope you guys have a good night. See ya.